as women, like what is the pathway forward? The pathway forward is women's wisdom. It is community. It is coming back together. Uh, I think the masculine way is to kind of look at something and go, how do we make this more complex? How do we make it more convoluted and more mental? Like how do we turn it into AI and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, what's the women's way? Let's just bring a bunch of people together (laughs) and create a community. family you are listening to concrete pastures podcast i am nancy being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life it inspired me to create a space that allows for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status we unlock the joys the laughs and the bravery that being a dreamer brings so subscribe and stay a while as we dive into today's episode. I'm excited and honored to introduce our guest today. She's an amazing woman doing amazing things around the globe. She helps women step into their magic. Her name is Michelle Gardner. She is the founder and director of the Aspire series and 55 Faces. Those are both a movement for women who are dedicated to pioneering social change and impact, as well as mythology in facilitating change work. Michelle family believes that the genuine opportunity, meaningful support, and spaces where we can truly love, value, and believe in ourselves, we are able to become so much bolder than we ever imagined. Michelle also believes that great aspiration must be matched with great capacity to nature ourselves in order to create a sweet spot where female leaders Blossom, the kind who are not only creating amazing things for themselves and for the world, they are also doing so in a way that sustains them. It is Michelle's intention in creating the Aspiration Series that as women, we can become more connected and heart-centered leaders and use one another to become the best that we can be for ourselves and the future women who model themselves on us. From this place, we can truly influence social change and shift the dynamic for both our local communities and global society. Welcome, Michelle. Oh, I'm so excited you are here. Thanks for having me, Nancy. It's a huge pleasure. <laughs> oh, so we always start from home. You are originally from Australia. Um, could yes. you just share a little bit? I've never been to Australia. Could you just paint a picture for us how it was growing up in Australia? Mm. Yeah. Uh, gosh, that's, I don't know. That's an interesting question because I guess when you're growing up, like you think that your childhood is like the way that all childhoods are, right? Yeah. Uh, in some respect. So it was, yeah, very a very stereotypical typical I suppose Australian suburban uh upbringing uh I come from a like a working class background 
my dad worked really long hours in a factory. My mum was a housewife. Um, my mum actually had a, had a lot of mental health issues when we were growing up. We didn't know until I was a teenager. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I think that affected us quite a bit as well. But I suppose when you're a kid, as I said, you feel like, you're, like your upbringing is the same as everyone else's. Um, and it was probably when I was around eight and I started going to other kids' houses that I kind of went, oh, something's actually a bit different about my mum. Mm. I don't understand what, but I know there's something different. So, um, yeah, I used to... Like back in the 90s in Australia, I used to go out and ride my bicycle around a lot. Um, our parents encouraged us, like if the weather was good, they were like, get out, get outside, go go play, go have fun, yeah. go make friends. So, you know, it's funny, they say that the thing that you enjoy doing when you're 10 is the thing that you'll enjoy doing for the rest of your life. And my favourite thing was just getting out on my bicycle barefoot and um in like a little sundress and just like run like riding around and finding all these other kids in the neighborhood and kind of collecting them and going on adventures um yeah so it's kind of funny like that in some ways kind of become my lifestyle in some ways as an adult no I love it I love it I'm actually I, I love what you just said about what you like at the age of 10 I love still to today walking around barefoot Mm. It's my favorite thing to do. I like to feel the ground. I like I like that feeling, and um, I used to love running, and it's still my, my thing to do. Going back to your childhood, when did you discover that your that was something different with your mom? I know you discovered when you went to visit. When mm. did you discover? Maybe you know we can learn a thing or two from that journey. As in, when did we find out officially? Or yeah, hmm. yeah. So I was I was fifteen, and I was in year nine, actually year nine, year nine or year ten. And uh, like for years, my dad had been saying, you know, there's something not right. You need to go and see a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And we didn't really know what that meant, but that was like a, a thing that we would hear in our home. Yeah, and. Yeah, it was around that time where everyone was asking, you know, what you want to be when you grow up. I very specifically remember that um, because it all ended up being kind of interwoven in some way. So, yeah, it was around that time, uh, quite an influential age when you're a teenager um, in terms of making life decisions and lots of things in the world are opening up to you. And, yeah, it was um, another element of our story. Wow. Um, I mean, the reason why I'm asking, because in, in a lot of ways, like in my country, with mental health, I remember growing up, there was um, this woman, I recently actually was talking about it with my mom, when my mom was selling at the market, um, that there was this woman, she'll be, one day she's fine, and the next day she's doing all kinds of things that are not normal according to society, or... Mm. To the to our to our to our environment, and the next month she'll be fine, and we all could tell that there was something wrong. But we, of course, nobody know. At those days, no one was talking about mental health. Nobody, and uh, that's the reason why I I just wanted to dig a little a little bit, just um, the importance of you know seeing our family and friends, the changes, the importance of that, and you could help someone with that it's interesting you say that because um 
I know, I think that was probably a huge part of why it took so long for mum to be diagnosed with anything, that whole shame and stigma yes. around what will other people think. Like that was enormous for my mum. Yep. And to the point where, you know, people would deal with something for years and years and years and sacrifice so much of their lifestyle and their future just not to almost be found out in some sense that there was something not quite right or something that um, needed resolving. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really big. Thanks for picking that up. <laughs> yes, no. Um, <laughs> um, I've always been very curious with uh, human behavior and just for myself because I have my own stuff that I am insecure of and I was talking to you prior to recording this and you're like, don't worry, you know. <laughs> you've lived your life or uh, you've lived most of your life in Australia. What got you to leaving Australia and going to the beautiful Bali? Mm, yeah. Uh, so I uh, so I ended up, gosh, there, there are always so many layers to the story, right? Yeah. Uh, essentially, I launched a business. Uh, I thought it was going to be Melbourne-based. It was Aspire. Uh, I remember a coach that I worked with at the time saying, you know, you need to be careful what you call something because it becomes that. Mm. Uh, that in amplified form. So when I called something, when I called it aspire, like the word aspire means to rise. So I think of it as being like a hot air balloon. And it's almost like it just wants to, all it wants to do is just lift off. And it's like, no, no, no. Like if you try to be the hot air balloon, like you're going to kill this thing. I'm the hot air balloon. You literally, all you have to do is cut the strings and then just put the fuel in the little, in the little things. It's like, that's your job. Stop trying to be the balloon. (laughs) So... Yeah, right. So I called it Aspire um, because I felt that it would it would rise and it would continue to expand. And that's all that it's done. So whenever I have a vision for it, it wants to be so much bigger than that and so much more expansive than anything that I can see. So it's always me being the blocker of it, um, the human blocker. So originally it was Melbourne based and I thought it was going to be like yoga classes and women's circles and things. But as soon as that happened, um, I was like, hang on, do I actually like teaching yoga? And then, <laughs> and, and with the circles, I was like, I love the circles, but the whole thing with the women's circles, it's designed to have hold the women in that space, but then everyone goes home. And I was like, there's so much more I can draw out of these women. Uh, I became really interested in women's leadership. I ended up in the Amazon jungle. I had a really strong feeling that I was meant to be in a different jungle. I felt that I that this Melbourne-based business wasn't meant to exist in Melbourne, that it was actually the wrong place for it. And I ended up having a, a vision of myself being in a different jungle and bringing women into that jungle. And that, you know, I needed to expand my own worldview to be able to hold this thing. So I then went back to Melbourne and I was still working full time. And I just thought, you know what, that's cool. I've done the jungle thing. Now I get to get on with everyday life. And it was just like Bali was just screaming at me. So by the end of the year, I'd packed up life and I had moved to Bali uh, or I moved. No, actually, I didn't move to Bali. I went to go traveling and I wanted to start in Bali 
and I really didn't want to live in Bali. I didn't want to be another Australian in Bali. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a thing. It's like being an American in Mexico um, okay. in some respect. Like it's it's the next spot across that you kind of yeah. bounce across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really wanted to travel and I thought, you know, I'll probably find a home along the way. And I landed in Bali at the end of January 2020. The plan was to be here for five weeks. I thought it would take five weeks to re-establish the business. As we know, it takes longer than five weeks to set up a business. But also, as we know, at the end of January 2020, um, it, when you count five weeks on from that, <laughs> a lot of things going on in the world. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So I left at the start of March, uh, got two weeks down the road. I was in Vietnam and went, right, great, great. Now I'm going to plan this trip and watch the world just shut down. I went, okay, Bali, you win. (laughs) So I arrived back in Bali and then I ended up being here for two and a half years before I was able to leave again and um, spend some time in Melbourne and um, in Sydney with some family. And since then I've been bouncing between the two. So, yeah. Wow. So arriving in at the beginning of the pandemic, how have you been able to make Bali your home and build a community and run a business that gives back to a community? How have you been able to do that? Gosh, um, it's been it's been huge. There's been like tons and tons of soul deep diving, like constant. You know, somebody asked me last year like Bali's a pretty spiritual spot it's one of those places where people come and somebody said to me I think it was around the middle of last year who like what 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 are you doing for your spiritual development and I just laughed and I said building a business (laughs) because I don't think there is anything else in life that I've ever done that has stretched pushed challenged questioned opened up so many spots where you're like oh my gosh that's how I am in the world Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not. It's true. It's true. That's it, business is its own spiritual journey. Yeah. I think it's the. I think that and motherhood. I think they're the two, probably the two biggest. Um, I agree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's, I'll, there's I'll add marriage to that too. Marriage. Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So. Yeah, so how have I done it? Um, I think a lot of inner self-inquiry, a lot of questioning. Um, you know, I think every, I think we all have uh, things that we kind of, we deal with in each next evolution, like the same question or the same challenge comes up in a different way. Yeah. And my one is like, who am I to do this? And so that's been really interesting when, as said, with like the, the big hot air balloon, metaphor this thing just wants to rise and then I get in the way and go but who am I to do that and then you work through it again and then until it dissipates and you go okay let's go hot air balloon and then at some other point it kind of drops back in again and you go oh okay now we've got to deal with this thing again so I think in um many ways when you say how have you done this it's been a lot of um a lot of navigating that particular question, which is the same question that women come um, to aspire with often as well. And I think a lot of women navigate and deal with. Um, and yeah, it's just, um, I think a lot of inner self-inquiry, a lot of 
questioning what it means to be a woman in this world, who I want to be as a woman in this world, yeah. who I am as a person. Uh, I'm a social worker primarily by background. So my biggest thing is um, the reason why, one of the reasons why it took me so long to step into the business world was because I was like, well, how do I do business in a way that feels authentic to me, not only as a woman, but also as a person who comes from a deeply rooted social work background? Mm. Uh, how do I begin with social change and social impact and end with social change and impact and do to the best of my ability everything that I can to make sure that flows through through business? Because I, I wouldn't. Um, I know within myself that I wouldn't feel like I was in my own integrity if it didn't have a really strong lens around, um, you know, doing good things in the world and doing important things in the world and helping other people to see the importance of that as well. So that's been another big piece of it too. No, I, no, you've answered the question, and I think you you you're truly holding your space with defeating the imposter syndrome because we all have it. I think that's what you are even trying to describe the imposter syndrome that we all have. I have to fight it every single day sometimes, and sometimes it's bigger than uh, the day before. I think you're doing great. Uh, mm. fighting it and be, having a business that gives to an, a community is not easy and building that body of work is not easy especially in a foreign country so the power I, I, I know you believe in the power of storytelling and bring women together and um, you're working on something that's super important that I'm uh, passionate about could you just share with us what you're working on, uh, that you bring a lot of us together. <laughs> yeah. So one of my things that um, that was birthed as a almost, you know, it was a it started as a side project to aspire, and I wondered how it would circle back around. I knew that it would in some way, uh, but it, it's called Fifty Five Faces, and you know those moments where. It feels like every single door in life is shut and you're like, I don't understand. Like the only place that you can turn is either inward or upward. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, okay, if every door is shut or every single thing isn't aligning, what have you got for me? Like, what can you, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? What do you want me to see? And it's almost like you're forced into creation. Yeah, um, forced to allow that creation to come through because there's no there's no diversion anywhere else, and that very much is the story of Fifty Five Faces. And yeah. um, so I believe that it was divinely led, um, divinely guided, continues to be, and um, essentially, you know, the number people ask me what does fifty five mean, and the number fifty five means um, significant change aligned with soul purpose. And I didn't realize that until about six months later. So 55 Faces, uh, originally it started as a social media piece during the pandemic uh, where each woman was sharing um, their story, but in relation to three questions, which were, this is who I am in the world. This is the next story I want written for women. And this is the next story I'm writing for myself. And each woman had a photo of herself, her name, her age, where she's from, and um, where she now lives. And uh, we end up with women from all across the world, all kinds of different demographics, backgrounds, lifestyles. And 
I put it out there in the Google Doc into the world. I made a list of 100 women and I just thought, I'm just going to send it out and see what happens. I had a bunch of women come back and say we'd love to be a part of it. I had a bunch of women I didn't know come to me from somewhere and say, can you please share our story? And I had a bunch of women say, why don't you do a book? At the same time, when I arrived in Bali, I had, um, at some point, when I first arrived, I felt very strongly that there was something that I needed to do here locally with Balinese women, as well as globally. Not long after that, I met a Balinese priest and he said to me, you know, who are you in the world? What do you want to do? And I said, you know, I want to empower women globally. And he said, that's great. We have plenty of young women here that need empowering. And I went, okay, I get it. I get it. But what do I do? And, you know, as a foreigner stepping in here, who am I? again, (laughs) to just rock up and decide to do something that's helpful. Uh, And so alongside 55 being born, I was meeting Balinese women and starting to open those doors and say, you know, who are you? What's your life about? What do you struggle with? Um, What would you like to see for Balinese women? Around the time that I put the book into, into motion, I... The woman that I've been having those conversations with, um, another foreigner as well, she said, you know, I need to fix on my business. I can't focus on this anymore. I said, that's fine. It's like, but what am I going to do? So I decided that um, I would use the profits or some of the profits from the book to fund a second book being published, which would tell a further 55 women's stories. Same, same structure, but different demographics. So it's actually... The structure is the structure, but it's actually the women who drop into that who tell the collective story of the book. So it ends up telling a very different, it ends up being a very different book um, with very different themes and ideas based on who the women are that are in those books. So I end up, we ended up writing two books last year. One was um, with women globally and who were using their story to create change by mere fact of being a part of the project and every story has elements of change within it, right? Um, And then a second book which told the stories of Balinese and Indonesian women. And so we ended up publishing 115 women's stories in the end. And both of those books were published early this year. And... It's like, you know, people kind of go, oh, you know, it's about the publishing. And it's like, that's a tiny piece of it. But it's actually about so much more than that. That by the time the books were published, each of the women were like, oh, yeah, we remember when actually writing the piece was the big thing. But there's so much that goes on internally around like how you feel about yourself, how how you feel about your view of yourself in the world. Oh, my gosh, like I'm going to be seen in this way. Um, Wow, I'm going to be a published author. Uh, all of this internal stuff that goes on, they go through their own, who am I to be this in the world? Um, wow, you know, I said I'm going to step into this. I actually have to step into that now. And then things start manifesting themselves and the hot air balloon's like just taking off and every woman's being taken off with it. <laughs> like there's, wow. there's something pretty powerful in that. <laughs> so that's 55. <laughs> wow. No, I love it. I love it all. You and I, outside the, this conversation, we did share 
the I mean the power of aligning yourself into your calling it takes a while and I can see your journey how you've just come into alignment with what you've been called to do and the joy that is coming out of you and the passion that's coming out of you in what you are doing it's it's amazing so are you doing another book because this is 2023 now are you going to be releasing another book or another thing on uh, social media? Yeah, so it's yeah, it's part of my my vision. I'm also I'm training as narrative therapist as well, so it's part of my vision to um, continue to create the books in pairs, okay. which is a wild mission. <laughs> it's honestly a wild mission. I, I think uh, it's wild too. It's, it's crazy. It's a lot of women and a lot of stories. <laughs> It is, but the, there's something very special in, you know, one woman from Queensland, her story connects and her energy even connects with a woman who is from Haiti, with a woman who is in Scotland, with a woman who is in South Africa, who is in Malta, who is in Canada. And each of these women, there are threads and there are differences in their worldviews, the way that they see themselves, what they want for themselves, what they want for their families, their communities, and how they want to continue to recreate themselves and where they've walked beforehand as well. And then not only being connected, but also you don't know where your story is going to end up, who's going to end up with your story and how they're going to be impacted. Like the whole essence of the book is it's a coffee table book and I wanted it to be like that in terms of people have it out. It's something, it's not like it's a novel and you kind of get that was nice, you stick on the bookshelf and one day it ends up in the op shop. It's like it's out and I don't think, you guys call them thrift shops, right? Which ones? You call them thrift shops. We call them op shops opportunity shop <laughs> anyway library or something yeah somewhere um I wanted, <laughs> yeah, I wanted it to be something that's out and that people have on their coffee table it's beautiful they're proud of it and you know people come over and have a cup of tea and they just flick it open and have a conversation about something that they might not otherwise uh, something that's really important in life they might not otherwise know how to open up so there it's sort of it's been considered from so many different levels um and yeah so anyway there are there are two um two more books coming uh the impact book this year will be uh based in africa so which is just i know right oh my gosh it just i don't know it kept it kept coming to me um and it's the only it's the continent i haven't visited yet either so i'm excited to you haven't no and yeah you could start with with zambia my home country yes Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, just to, I don't know, just delve into the wisdom and the all the things around African women. Um, yeah, just incredibly beautiful, incredibly beautiful. Um, every woman who has crossed my path so far. Being an immigrant can be hard. Having been away from my home country for over 20 years has allowed me to experience these hardships firsthand. Throughout my journey, I've had a lot of challenges that were hard to bear. Juggling adjustment to a new country, obtaining my immigration papers, getting married, having children, establishing my career, and finding time for myself. Even though I've always had faith, 
I also relied on therapy, which gave me the tools to cope with the issues life brought me. My fellow dreamers, let's remove the stigma around therapy and normalize seeking help with today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Go to betterhelp.com slash pastures for 10% off your first month of therapy with BetterHelp and get matched with a therapist who will listen and help in as little as 48 hours. So I'm really so excited to put together um, the African book and also to visit at some point and to do another global book as well, which is definitely well underway. And uh, the other thing as well that I have coming, and this, this, as said, was the vision that I had way back at the start was bringing women into the jungle, um, which is around holding a Women's Leadership Change and Impact Summit in Bali. So that happens in only two weeks today, which is definitely crazy. Um, Yeah, there's going to be a group of women gathering and um, we've got speakers, we've got a book launch, an international book launch, and we have a gala under the stars and we have, yeah, like, oh my gosh, the, basically, the structure of it is that it takes women from a space of deepening into their own connection, into their sense of expression in the world as well, um, connecting to self, express how they express themselves, and then being able to really, really lead from that place. Which, yeah, I think there's there's something really, really magical, and that's the, that's the lens and the framework that I um, operate and work within as well. So, yeah, we've got some of the best speakers and leaders and facilitators that I can imagine to guide women for each part of that journey and of course um, the opportunity for women to really connect with Balinese women as well and um, to share their wisdom and their gold in the world as well so yeah I love it Um, there's definitely power when you bring uh, so many women together from all over the world and there's just that soul changing moment which I can see already and your summit is, I wish I could come right now. <laughs> and uh, for anybody who has a bag ready, they are still taking in, uh, you guys are still taking in women, right? Yes, definitely. Yes, pack up your bag. Don't miss out on the soul changing event. Uh, it's in Bali, it's paradise. Why not? It's a spiritual land. Why not? I, I can't wait to hear more about it. And next year, I'm definitely coming because this is happening next year again. So next year, I'm definitely packing up my bag. We'll be there living together. <laughs> Social impact is definitely important for you. Um, aside from Africa, where else do you want to impact more women? Like what is the future of 55 faces and um, inspire uh, aspires as well what, what is the future of that yeah love that question you know I have ideas and every time I have ideas aspire decides to slap me around a little bit and go we've got better ideas <laughs> so I'm, conscious, I'm conscious as well of like how I answer that uh, but you know I 
I felt, I feel very strongly that um, I wanted to create a business model that I could grow into and um, that, you know, the first year or two it would be huge in terms of setting it up, but then like it would be more about refining and just making it the best thing possible. I think, uh, I guess there are different types of entrepreneurs. Some entrepreneurs do really amazingly at kind of going, create this thing and then create that thing and then create that thing. For me, I wanted to create something that felt really solid and that I could really establish in the world and really ground into and just keep improving on that thing. Uh, And I feel like between 55, the summit, and I also have a a program as well, which helps women to set up their own thing um, and to present that at the summit. Um, Between those things, I was like, there is so much, like there's just so much that I can just deepen into and continue to improve, 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 and um, just make the best the best thing humanly possible that I can. So it is my intention to uh, keep uh, keep growing 55 and to keep expanding it into different communities. Um, often, and particularly communities that don't um, have such a strong presence or such a strong voice in the world, um, but have some really amazing um, leaders and um, women that you know, deserve to have a voice in the world in so many senses and for each 55 that comes out to continue to strengthen and build upon what has come before it so that every woman continues to have their voice um, expanded through it. You know, between those three things, I feel like every, almost every element of what I love is covered and I can just dabble and play within it. So, you know, I love story. I love social change. I love impact. I love leadership. I love culture and community. Um, I love learning new things. I love learning through women. And I love what happens when you bring women together and that whole notion of the collective voice and um, diversity and, you know, as mentioned, you have this woman from this place connecting with this woman from that place and you bring them together and they go, well, what's happening in your country? Or how are you navigating this in your work? And that's when things start sparking and new ideas, new concepts uh, turn into fruition. So, and also, you know, something that has um, really, really been a huge part so far as well is such a simple notion, but something that is so under... Um, utilized and um, underestimated as well as just the whole notion of honoring people honoring humans and honoring humanity in life if there's one thing that we do in this lifetime like we can have a story or some piece of ourselves recorded Uh, I don't think that that can be underestimated in any sense and you know it's it's so timeless it's like from in every single culture like what is like one of the most timeless things it's the the power of story and the power of leaving a legacy through passing on wisdom um I don't think that we can afford to um I don't want to use the word underestimate again but basically underestimate it and on the flip side of that as well like the opposite end of that is from where we're at now as women, like what is the pathway forward? The pathway forward is women's wisdom. It is community. It is coming back together. Uh, I think the masculine way is to kind of look at something and go, how do we make this more complex? How do we make it more convoluted and more mental? Like how do we turn it into AI and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff? And it's like, what's the women's way? Let's just bring a bunch of people together. (laughs) (laughs) and create a community. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god so why women why women yeah you know, why women <laughs> you know well a lot of my work background was child protection and out of home care and working with young people and families um a lot of people think that i'm like a raging feminist and i don't really resonate with that in any sense there's like no bra burning over here or any of that kind of stuff but why women i think it's been through my own identity formation i got to my mid-30s and i got to the point where i felt like i'd outgrown all my female role models and I was then at the point where I was like, well, where do you next step as a woman where you feel like, you know, your mum, your aunt, your grandma, your teacher, whoever it is, your boss isn't the person, like you kind of, you still look up to them, but you're seeking something else or someone else. It's like, where to then? And it opened up this whole world for me. And I was like, what does it even mean to be a woman in the world these days? And who am I as a woman in the world? So it actually came through my own evolution, um, the why women thing. And it got to the point where I loved the child protection sector. I was super, super passionate, such a strong advocate. And... You know, I think there's sometimes a tipping point and it can be the most simple tipping point where something becomes more powerful than the other. And I think the tipping point was when I was sitting in a forum and I'd sat in millions and millions and millions of forums in my time as a social worker with everyone from my foster carers through to CEOs to everyone in the sector was in this, I don't know, fancy room eating lunches and listening to people talk and stuff. Yeah. And our little breakout groups were given a question and everyone around the table was talking about the same kind of solutions that were the same solutions I'd heard through 15 years in this sector. And I think at some point I, I shared something that was a little bit outside the box and everyone kind of looked at me blankly and stopped And then a moment later, they all started talking again about their own solutions. And I just went, okay, I don't feel like this is my circle of people anymore. (laughs) I was like, I don't, do I feel like I have the energy to have this conversation and to bring my ideas to it anymore? And I just went, you know what? I feel like I'm on a different path now. I'm on a different trajectory. And I think, you know, I think there are there are different points along that trajectory where you're like, okay, I'm kind of moving over here, but I can still pull myself back into here. And I think that was like a key point in that final year where I went, you know what? Is the gap between here and here, has it expanded so much that it's actually really tricky to still fit within both boxes now? And um, I think that was one of those points where it just became really apparent that, um, yeah, my passion now lies a lot more in in creativity um, and in wanting to wanting to continue to expand my own my view and my ideas in ways that maybe didn't fit into that into that other box anymore um and i know that you asked um and i don't know if i'm jumping the gun but it feels like it fits in here you asked um you know what is um you know my own version what is my own version of success and i 
It's something I've sat with a lot uh, because I think a lot of the traditional business models and ideas around success, uh, they feel like they differ a little bit and it's taken a long time to navigate that. But one of those pieces is being able to use my creativity freely and being able to create in ways that are meaningful for me and to impact communities in ways that are meaningful to me as well and coming from a real heart-centered approach like definitely need to make money definitely need to be sustainable definitely need to be able to establish ourselves Mm -hmm. uh, because there is no way that we can do that that we can continue that we can give without having all of those buckets filled it's essential and you know, and knowing that whatever comes in allows us to expand further and to give so much further and to to really deepen that impact um, I think for me that that is largely what success is it's like it, it's largely around what are we what are we doing in the world how are we really creating a meaningful difference in the world and living a great life for ourselves is a part of that um and how are we doing the same for other enabling not even enabling because i feel like there's an essence in enabling that that takes other people's power away in some way but how are we you agree yeah um how are we creating opportunities creating opportunities where people can step into their power um, further and further and further and take ownership. Like we never, we never, I don't believe that we empower other people. People empower themselves. Yes. But we can open doors and say, you know, if you wish to step through here, you can step through here. And, you know, with every woman last year, most of them were first time um, authors and they were like, oh my gosh, we're so excited. We, you know, we're going to be in a book, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? I'm opening the door this much. I'm opening it about an inch. My biggest dream for you is that after you step through this door, you know the way through and you just fling the door open and just go for it. Like write the book, do the thing, start the podcast, do the program, the business, the organization, whatever it is, um, take full and complete, just complete reign and let this be like the tiniest stepping stone on the way to that. Um, I want this to one day look like the tiny nugget. So... Very yeah. powerful. Very powerful. Mm. I'm so grateful. We have a 12-hour difference, <laughs> time difference. And uh, it's 10, what is this? 10.36 here. And it's 10 a.m., right? Saturday for you. For me, it's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for having breakfast with me brunch (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having like what is it like a midnight not even a midnight snack but something like that i know i'm literally drinking lemon water this way my voice doesn't because after certain hour for some reason my voice kind of gives up (laughs) i'm like let me drink some lemon water this way we can still clear the throat (laughs) and keep talking (laughs) but i'm grateful for you um for making time for us really beautiful thank you for making such a meaningful impact to all the amazing women and men because if we make change in women's lives you're also making a change in their families and in their men's lives as well and their children's lives so i'm all for support with women and making an impact in their lives 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you eternally as well for having me and um, for creating this space. It, it matters a lot and it matters that there are endless amounts of space for women to step into their magic and to claim it, own it, and do the best that they can with it in the world. So thank you. Thank you for stepping into your magic so that so many other women also can. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. That's it for this episode. Thank you again for lending us your ears. It's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer. You can continue to support us by liking, sharing, and following us on our social media pages. The links are all in the show notes. We have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you. Until next time, keep dreaming. Concrete pass.